welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone on my commute. And it is Monday, March 5th, 2018. This is a morning, a morning cast. This is, uh, normally I'm talking to you on my way home. Uh, this morning I am talking to you on my way in because I had so much to talk about I couldn't wait till I got home. So... Uh, before we get into it, and I've got a couple things I want to talk about today that, you know, are kind of more of like a, a couple personal things, I guess. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, on ladder, so I did not hit legend last month. It was fine. I actually got up to the final boss in wild with the dragon priest and just ran to a couple of bad matchups and really just ran out of time. Um, February is a short month and I, I wasn't, you know, it took me a while both because I was climbing in both formats and because I just, it, it took me a little while to learn the meta in wild, but I was really happy with that. Like, I'm not going to be upset that I didn't get like an orange gem last month because first of all, I mean, I was one game away, right? And, and that's worth celebrating given the fact that I've never really seriously played wild before. Um, so I, I'm okay with that. Like, and I said all month that I was okay with not getting to Legend. I am okay with not getting to Legend, because I, I know that I played well. I know that I climbed very quickly in Wild and got uh, as close as I possibly could without getting to Legend. So, um, in any event, I'm, I spent a bunch of time playing the Brawl. I was playing that Dragon Priest and Brawl. I got 10 wins with it. I've been playing some... I crafted it Aviana because I wanted to play the Maligos OTK Druid in Wild. Uh, which I did a couple of brawls. I may play that on the ladder some, though I read from the latest uh, Vicious Syndicate report that it's not great right now. But um, basically the idea is that you have Aviana, which is a nine mana minion that makes all of your minions cost one. You have Kuhn, the Forgotten King, who, um, who refreshes your mana crystals. And then you have Maligos, which gives you plus five spell damage. And then there's all kinds of things you can do. Um, there's one approach that just uses two faceless manipulators and a swig of the world tree so you can potentially get an extra 10 mana if you set it up the right way or sometimes you can use some of those pieces to to get uh lethal that way sometimes uh so there are some builds that run maligos along with ixlid so you'll play an ixlid uh after you refresh the crystals then you'll play maligos you'll get two maligeese then you'll um then you'll play Faceless Manipulator, you get two more, and then it's plus 20 spell damage for whatever you play, and then you really just need two burn spells from there. Um, it's a fun deck. It, it's kind of a challenge because you're just kind of... It's a lot like Quest Mage where you're just trying to survive and survive and survive until you can get your OTK off. Um, but I, I really do enjoy it. Uh, it's just, it, you know, it has some bad matchups right now. So we'll see how I do with that. Um, in Standard, uh, something very interesting is happening. So... If you listen to me on uh, my interview on The Daring Reporter, and I do not remember for the life of me if I talked about that this week or not, but I will make sure that I link it in the show notes this week if I didn't link it last week. Um, but but Jordan and Kyle had me on uh, last week uh, to talk about a bunch of things, and, and I think that there's a bunch of things you can take away from that discussion. Uh, one of uh, you know, I talked about how I approach card reviews and um, also why this meta feels so bad right now. But they asked me about Void Ripper. And if you listen to me on the Happy Hearthstone doing the card reviews for Cobalt and Catacombs, you will know that I was extremely excited about that card. And it has seen zero play. So Void Ripper is a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three demon that swaps the attack and health of all the minions on the board. 
Uh, and I really thought that it was going to see a lot more play than it did. And I was wrong until this past week when there were a couple of people who were trying it. Control Priest has kind of seen a resurgence over the past week. Amnesiac hit High Legend with it, and then a couple of other players have been trying builds. And there was a player called Nexon, who I believe is from Asia, who tried two Void Rippers in the list. And I've been doing that. I've been, I've been working with my own list, kind of taking Amnesiac's list and kind of tweaking it to my liking but with the two Void Rippers instead of the two Curious Glimmer Roots in his list, because I feel like the Curious Glimmer Roots really just do, don't do all that much. And boy, howdy, this card... Do not sleep on this card, honestly. Like, I have done so many disgusting things with Void Ripper, and I really think people are sleeping on the card. Like, being able to... For example, uh, I had... A, a game last night where my opponent was at 20, I had a Anduin Hero power-up and a 4-3 Primordial Drake and a 4-8 Primordial Drake. And I was able to go Hero Power, uh, Hero Power, Void Ripper, no, it was Hero Power, he, Greater Healing Potion on the Drake... Void Ripper Hero Power, and that might be, I might have had a coin in there, I don't remember, but somehow I did 20 points of damage from nowhere with two big butt dragons. Um, you can do things like Potion of Madness, uh, not Potion of Madness, uh, Pine Size Potion, and Void Ripper can remove opposing minions to zero, and then you flip them and they die. And that is really, really powerful. You can also use it to damage a minion to the point where you can rip it to get it into Potion of Madness or Cabal Shadow Priest range, and then take it. And I, I'm not even thinking of all the different ways that you can do it, especially when you have problems with four attack minions, and you can get them away from that, and manipulate their health before that. It's, uh, you know, you could do things like take a, a high health, low attack minion, get a Potion of Madness on it, and then Void Ripper and hit them in the face. There's all kinds of things you can do. And, and I, that's why when I first saw the card, I was thinking that, and it didn't really happen, and I'm seeing it in the Control Priest, and I, honestly, especially running Primordial Drakes and now Ysera, like, it gives you a lot of additional burst just for starters. Um, I'm not ready with a list yet. I'm still testing some things, um, but I would look, keep an eye on my Twitter, uh, Twitter, uh, I'm wicked good, at Wicked Good on Twitter, if you haven't figured that out by now, um, keep an eye on my Twitter because I will be posting that list as soon as I'm happy with it, and I think it's really, really strong right now. Okay, so I want to... This is something that I've kind of had, uh, you know, on the back burner for a long time, and uh, there really hasn't been a reason to talk about it up until now, and, and with some of this uh, events of the last week with the ladder reset, I feel like it's probably time. Um, so... The ranked, ranked play was shut down for like a day and a half after the uh, the ladder reset, at least in North America. I think it was a full two days in uh, in Asia. Because there were some problems with the way that, that uh, ranks were being distributed. And, you know, obviously, there, there are competing reactions to something like that. But generally, the reaction from the community is not very positive, especially when you're going in and trying to play and you don't you want to play and you can't, and, uh, you know, it, I mean, it was a good thing the Wild Brawl of Seam was there, because at least there was some sort of a competitive mode that you can play, but 
you know, other than that, there was no rank playing. You weren't playing standard for like two days. So, and people were justifiably upset, but I saw a lot of comments and this is, and, and if you think this is directed at you, it's not by the way, but just in general, like I'm not, I'm not subtweeting anybody. I'm just kind of, this, this happens every time there's some sort of a glitch and, uh, it's, I think it's worth talking about because, so if, if you don't know, my day job is in IT. I've been done IT for my entire adult career. Um, predominantly I, I've worked on business intelligence systems, which is a lot of uh, reporting and, and data science type stuff. But I mean, I've worked on ERP systems. I've worked on, um, on websites. I've worked on, on, on a bunch of different things that are, that are user facing and customer facing. I've been in situations where the company hasn't been able to take orders for several days because of some sort of a disaster. And I, I think that it's worth a bit of an understanding about what the complexity of systems like this are, especially with the user base that it has. Like, cause I saw a lot of like, well, why didn't they test this? And you know, and, and you know, somebody, somebody's going to be in big trouble for this. And, and honestly, like, especially from what I've read about Blizzard's internal culture, I really don't think that's the case. Um, uh, one thing that you learn really, really quickly in IT and in development is that things are, complex systems are complex. And especially like in a server environment, like there's no real way to simulate what is, um, you know, every possible scenario, right? And especially like when you have a server environment that's serving up Hearthstone games to millions and millions of people, you really can't test that. Like you can simulate it and you can, you can get a lot of, a lot of hits on it, but ultimately like just the number of different scenarios in terms of, well, this person's at this rank and they're playing against this person at that rank. And, and, you know, I've been seeing some issues with the legend ladder today as I'm recording this that look like they might be related to the same thing. Like here's the matchmaking that happens. Here's the number of stars you get. If you win the number of stars you get, if you lose and you're changing something fundamental, like the number of stars at a rank and you're changing code that probably, I mean, I've been playing this game for gosh, three years and the ladder system hasn't changed since before I started playing. My understanding is it didn't change since beta. So you're looking at a lot of code that is relying on an assumption that probably was never considered was going to change. And hasn't been touched since the early days when, and we know from, from hearing the stories about early development of Hearthstone, that this was never really intended to be as big as it was. It was kind of like a side project and it was kind of, it was developed very quickly initially, which is why we got some of the things like, you know, some of the, the problems with certain platforms and, and why it takes a really long time to implement some features. And, you know, if you're dealing with that kind of, you, what happened, there's a term in, in development called technical debt which basically means that you're taking a shortcut now or you're, you're getting something done because it works now and you're going to pay for it later. You're eventually going to have to go back and refactor that and, and fix the code. Uh, that often doesn't happen and that kind of builds up and then eventually it gets to the point where you have to repay that debt and it ends up costing you a lot more time than it did to, uh, you know, than it would have had you addressed it immediately even, if, even though it would have taken longer at the time. And, and we know that the, that team has a lot of that. 
And so you've expanded this well beyond where it was when you when the code was written. And with all kinds of additional complexities, keeping coordination between three servers and, uh, you know, even if it's a simple change, and this very this really was a simple change, but even simple changes very often have a lot of ripple effects. Like one example that I have from my, my day job is that um, every so often, like, there's a business team that wants to change just like the names of fields in the product hierarchy. And one of the systems I work on is literally 20 years old. And just because of the number of scripts that we have referring to those field names, it's like a three month project just to change field names between, and it's not even that it's, it's like hard, right? Like the actual coding, it's actually pretty easy, but there's so much testing. There's so many things that you need to test so many jobs that you need to run to test them and so many results that you need to inspect to make sure that they're going to work right. And you're needing to look at all so many different types of scenarios and so many edge cases that you need to spend a lot of time doing that. And it takes a lot longer than you would think it does. So when you're hearing about like ladder changes taking as long as they have, and they've been talking about ladder changes for a really long time and it's a really simple change, like it's not, I can assure you that whatever's happening there, there's a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes that we don't know. And and I, I would say that that's going toward like the tournament mode that the, the don't call it a tournament mode that we're getting as part of the year of the Raven because, and I've heard some discussions about this after the announcement was happening also like, well, this isn't going to help esports, and I'm not sure why they're doing this if they're not going to implement the ban and they're not going to be doing, it's really just going to help for casual tournaments and firesides, but it's not going to affect the problem. And, and I would argue that it will. Um, but if you think about it, right, again, we've had problems with, with Hearthstone tournaments for a really long time in terms of like the cast, like, like being able to, to spectate the games and, and, and show them on the screen and being able to, um, they just dealt with disconnects. And then we had some, some drama with, um, with a player playing a deck list that they reported differently. And so if you think about it, right, like if Blizzard just went all in on a tournament mode and did everything that you would need in order to run HCT tournaments out of it and it failed, could you imagine what the firestorm would be? Honestly, like, I think that the way that they're doing this is really smart, right? And, and I think that ultimately this is probably maybe not this year. I would imagine by like the beginning of HCT next year that this would be the standard that they're probably, they're saying they're going to roll it out mid year, which means in a couple months, probably, um, use it for fireside, use it for smaller tournaments, and then add features to it, add a ban, add support for, you know, whatever, whatever formats we need to have in it. And then eventually it will be an esports tool. I think, I don't think you build this without it being an esports tool, obviously, but you don't want to tell people that right away. Cause if you tell people this is for esports, but we're not building it in, then they will try to use it. And then it's going to not do exactly what they want it to do. And then they're going to be upset. Whereas if you say this is a tool for fireside gatherings and we're, you know, we're, we're building in features as we go, then by the time you're done with it, then you can say, okay, now we trust this. Now you can use this for HCT. Now you can use this for Trinity Series. Now you can use this for um, for WESG, right? But they don't want large organizers to do that until they get a lot of usage. And it's really smart for them to roll this out, as, you know, focused on firesides first, 
because my understanding is that they work really closely with a lot of, especially the larger um, and more established fireside innkeepers, and they can get direct feedback from them as far as like, as a tournament organizer, what do you want in this? What did it not do? How did it, if you if if you're working with those people, you can actually get a bug report. And and honestly, like bug reports are so important. And a lot of times, and I've seen like some of the developers in Yangwoo like reaching out to people saying, you know, with their after the star after the ladder reset, some people were at wrong ranks and they were sometimes way below where they're supposed to be. And they're like, can you give us some examples of people who were there so we can go look at it and see what happened and then see if we can put in a larger fix. And you don't get that a lot of time. And you're not going to get that as much from a tournament. Even, like, maybe you'll get that from, like, something like a dream hack. But you're not going to get that from, like, a little open or a challenger cup, maybe. Unless you really have a lot of good communication. So, I think the way they're doing this is really smart. I I would say, you know, I I have a lot of appreciation for the devs. They have a really hard job. I know what they do on a small scale. It's terrifying to me to think about what they're doing for the servers that run all these games especially like Hearthstone in particular. And I have a lot of sympathy for them for what happened this past week. I have all the faith in the world that they're going to get it fixed. They got it resolved pretty quickly. You know, I mean, they were clearly working through the night. They canceled the live stream Q&A. And I, I feel like we're in good hands. And let's, you know, instead of criticizing, if, if that's your, if that's your, your reflex, and, and, you know, we're all human, right? Like, it's not, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that you just don't... You may not understand what the other side is going through, and that's what empathy is, right? So, uh, you know, if your instinct is to say, well, why is this taking so long, and, you know, what are they doing, and and I hope they're staying through the night, like, they are. Like, trust me, they are. And I, I really have a lot of faith that this team cares, and, and the way that they've resolved a lot of issues like this has really been really impressive given the scale of what they're dealing with. So... You know, I, I don't know if any of the developers ever listen. If they do, great. But I, I, I just want to say I appreciate what they're doing. I, I think that, you know, the more support we can give them, the better this game will be long term. So the other thing that happened this week is uh, very suddenly I was um, drafted to cast uh, the semifinals and the finals of. Uh, the United Hearthstone League, which has been going on around the tournament, the, the community, the last, uh, gosh, it was like eight, eight weeks, I think, last two months. Um, I, I had casted one match of um, Andrew Andrew Brown from the Happy Hearthstone and Chris Plummer from uh, from 1600 Dust with, with Bodicus from Coin Conceit, and that went really well, and um, after the first semifinal match, they called me as I was, as I was trying to go, go pick up dinner for the, for the kids. They're like, Hey, um, you want to, do you want to cast the rest of the playoffs? And I absolutely like, I was super excited to do it. And, and I think that, you know, we have, we have some technical issues to work out, but I think that all together, like the, the way that the cast went, and I have a lot to learn, honestly, because this is the first time that I'm really doing something like this. And that's what I want. I kind of want to talk about some of the things that I learned doing it because I think it's really interesting it's, a, it's an experience that not a lot of people get to have, and I really, really like it, and I feel like it's a different kind of challenge, um, and, and it really gives me a lot of, again, we're talking about, like, underappreciated people in the community. It gives me a lot of appreciation for what the, you know, the pro casters do on a, on a day-to-day basis during these tournaments, because I didn't really appreciate some of the things that they're trying to do in the course of a game, um, 
and, and the kinds of things that you're trying to do when you're, when you're casting a match like that. So one thing that is really different that I didn't even think about is that like, so let's say that you're playing a high pressure game, right? Like you're playing in a tournament, you're playing close to legend. You're playing at somebody on the other side and presumably you're zoned in, right? Like you're looking at your cards the entire time. You're watching what they're doing. You're watching, you're tracking their hand. You're seeing where they're playing cards from. And you're thinking about the whole time, what does this mean? And what am I going to do on my next turn? So you would think that as a caster, where you have access to both hands, that that would be way easier because you know exactly what's happening. You have full information where a player really does not. Um, but here's the thing that I didn't really think about is that you don't get that time on your opponent's turn. So you're, first of all, talking the entire time. So you're thinking about what to say and how to say it. Uh, you're listening to the other person who's casting when they're talking and, and trying to react to what they're saying as well and, and add color where it's needed or you're trying to you know play, call out the individual plays. And then all the whole time, you're also trying to see what cards they have in hand and what plays they could possibly make and what play you would make in the right situation, in, in the same situation, and then explain why you would make that play. And that's hard to do. Like, Blister Guy, and, and, and I love Blister Guy, right? And I'm, I'm really thankful that he does this. And I'm, because I said some, uh, uh, it's going to happen, right? I said some stupid things uh, over the course of things. Like I forgot that Doomerang sends the, the weapon back to the hand just because I don't play enough Milrogue. And, and that's something that I think as a caster, it's important to play most of the decks that you're going to see just so you're, you're used to um, some of the interactions because ju you just forget, right? Like when you don't play the card, you just forget that it, it doesn't destroy the weapon. Um, so he would, call, he would point some of those things out. And I realized like, yeah, I'm trying to figure this stuff out on the fly while I'm also talking and trying to explain to the viewers why they're going on and what they're seeing, what they're seeing. And it's it's a lot to take in and you really have to think fast. And and I didn't appreciate like how much you need to do that. Like I, I've been thinking about cast, about the cast that we get a lot lately and, and the fact that there's not really a beginner's cast to explain a lot of how these decks work and, and why you're playing the cards that you are and even like what the cards are sometimes because you can't really see them on the screen very well sometimes and a lot of the reason is it's just it's hard to fit all it in like you have a lot that you're even just trying to say and if the players are playing fast then you have a limited amount of time to just explain to the viewers what's going on um one other challenge that I really didn't expect and and this is what I find really interesting about the casting process is you'll have situations where you will just kind of decide what the play is. And you may, you're obviously not putting as much time into thinking about the play as the players are. So you may have a play in your head. Like there was one, uh, one play in particular in the semifinals between, um, between Spivey and Rod Johnston, where Spivey was on the Druid and he played an ultimate infestation and Rod was playing a, um, he was playing a control warrior, a Cthulhu warrior actually. And Spivey had an Aya and another minion out on the board, uh, the, the five, five that came out of the UI. And then he had an arcane giant in hand, uh, an arcane tyrant in hand, 
which was zero because he played the the ultimate infestation. And Bodkiss and I were both like, "Well, you play that, right? Like, it's a it's a zero out of four four. Why wouldn't you play it?" And he left it in his hand. And then, so at that point, my job and, and Bodkiss's job as a caster is are are is to figure out. Okay, what the hell just happened there? <laughs> explain it and explain it to the viewers in a way that makes sense to first it has to make sense to us and then we have to explain it to the viewers. And so you think about it for a second and I realized like you know and, and we actually talked to to Spiver in the post-game interview about this afterward too. Like well, you're playing against a control warrior, he's going to have brawl, so you don't want to put down a third minion because the general rule against control warrior is that you only play two threats out at a time and make them deal with it to make the brawl worse. And it's something that makes sense to you as you think about it, but you're, you're the, the viewers are relying on you as a caster to figure that out and then explain that to them. And so it's good to have someone who you can bounce stuff off of too and, and kind of play a different style generally than you do. I think that, that Bodicus and I really complimented each other pretty well. I was really happy with the way that the that the cast turned out because I, I feel like he's more of a of a tempo aggro um, mid-range player and I, I start from mid-range and I go out to control. And so we were able to kind of look at we have different strengths as far as playing different decks and we're able to explain those out to the viewers and you know it, as long as one of us catches the lethal we're good right like but it's sometimes it's hard to find a lethal with everything else that's going on but if you have somebody who like you know both of you can cover each other's backs and and can see different things and communicate them out then then you come up with a really good cast for the viewers so I, I know that I made some mistakes um in some of the things that I called and there were some you know, some things that I just, I just missed and that's okay. Right. Like this, I'm not doing this regularly. And so it's something that I would learn from and try to do better the next time if I'm given the opportunity, but I really got a great appreciation for what goes into bringing you the commentary on those, on those matches when you're watching a tournament on, on the weekend and like how much, how difficult that job is like I'm thinking about some of those um Onog casts where you got two casters casting the entire tournament for 12 hours a day and I would just be dead like I was I had a headache after <laughs> I mean it was a good headache but I had a headache just after like an hour and a half of doing the UHL finals and like I can't even imagine doing that for 12 hours a day three days straight um so you know that's that's something to think about I'm, I'm probably have some more thoughts on this as I kind of wrap my head around them but I, I feel like this is an interesting perspective that not a lot of people get to bring. So I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit and uh, hopefully you all uh, found that interesting as well. All right. So, uh, so that's all I have for this week. Um, this will probably be the only show unless we get some sort of a new set announcement, which we should be getting any time now, in which case I'll probably have some sort of an emergency episode to, uh, to talk about the reveal. Um, and I'll probably have an episode on the, uh, you know, looking back at Cobalt and Catacombs at some point too, because we're, we're overdue for that. And I mean, like the nerf kind of just kind of delayed that a little bit, but I really should look back on some of those cards that we reviewed for Cobalt and Catacombs. And I, I, I'm at least I'm Void Ripper is turning out to be one that I was right about, hopefully. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, in the meantime, you can, uh, find all of the links to everything that I talk about in um, on the website, which is at offcurve.com. You can also 
Um, you can also go there to see the guides that I wrote on things that you can dust that are rotating out of standard. And also, if you happen, the, the Wild Brawl scene is over, but if you still want to get into Wild and start playing that format, I have a uh, crafting guide for you based on Blister Guy's uh, Wild Meta Overview, so you can go check that out at offcurve.com as well. If you want to get announcements of when uh, when new guides and when uh, new episodes go up, you can follow the show's account at offcurve. That's also where you can um, send your questions in to the show if you want to have those questions answered. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, which is all of those things and uh, and and more nonsense, you can follow me at Wicked Good. And you can also uh, follow me on Twitch, WickedGoodFM. I didn't stream this week because I was casting UHL, but um, typically Sunday nights has uh, uh, been fairly consistent. And then I'm hoping to get a second day. I'll figure that out, you know, sometime soon, um, just so I can try to get myself up to affiliate. But you know, it, it, it's hard with you know life. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But you can do that as well. Um, please do leave a review on iTunes. It helps out a lot. I mean, this is what. You know, again, I don't have a Patreon. I really don't. The only ways that I really have for you to support the show are to tell a friend about it or to uh, leave a review on iTunes so other people can find it. I did get two reviews this week. Um, one from uh, YT35, who says, uh, just a great podcast for those who love the, na- the game, knowledgeable and a, and a good guy. And uh, from Binoculars, who's uh, showed up in a few of the discords this week, um, who says that Off Curve is enjoyable and worthwhile. I just listened to the latest of Off Curve and enjoyed it very much. 30 minutes go very fast. He has a personal voice and way of talking and provides information in a way that's understandable to players of all skill levels. Check it out. So thank you to both of you. I really do appreciate that. And, and you know, honestly, like those kinds of things, like those, those reviews really are like fuel in my fire. So, you know, knowing that there are folks out there who are enjoying the show, they're listening to it. And, um, you know, it, it, that, that's why I do this. Like I'm not, I'm not making any money off of this, obviously. Um, you know, I just do this because I enjoy it because I have things that are on my mind that I want to share and I'm glad that you all are finding value in it. Um, so my, my friends list is very, very quickly filling up, but I still have a few slots left. Um, so I'm wicked good. Hashtag 1535. I'm starting to trick. I may have to take some people off. Um, if they've been an idol for a while, there aren't that many people that who are. So, you know, we'll see what happens. So do make sure to send me a message on, uh, either Twitter or discord if, you are a listener because I'm pretty much not accepting any, um, any more friend requests from anyone who's not, unless I recognize them as part of the community, because I I do want to leave those slots available for people who are listeners. And sometimes I just get salty friend requests and stuff like that. So I don't, I can't tell the difference if you don't let me know. So you can just send me a, send me an at mention on Twitter or, uh, or a DM to off curve, or you can just send me a message in discord, whatever. And just let me know who you are and what your, your tag is when you send the friend request, and I'll make sure to approve it. And if uh, if it looks like I've declined it, then go ahead and do that again and just send me a message, and it's all good. Because um, I care about all of you, and I'm happy to have you all. You know, and you can, you know, you're. Ha- I'm happy for, to have anyone spectate me. It doesn't bother me. Um, you don't have to ask. Um, you know, it's it's something. It, it's I know some people get some anxiety over that, and 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 you know that's that's completely justifiable. Like. It's something that just doesn't bother me. Um, so I'm always happy to have you spectate. You don't have to ask. If I'm really, really tryharding, I really, really don't want to be disturbed all here offline. Um, so don't worry about it. If I'm available, if I'm online, you can feel free to spectate me. Anyway, so uh, that is it for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, I'm really happy to have you along with me on my commute. And I'll talk to you all next week when hopefully we'll have a new announcement. Uh, have a great week and talk to you soon.